Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that the land that I'm standing on today is located on the treaty lands and territories of the Mississauga of the Credit and traditional territories of the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Windep peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. I would also like to acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississauga of the Credit. As a Canadian citizen, I find it extremely important to recognize our mistakes and the harm done to the Indigenous people in the past and in present day. In relation to today's podcast, the land I am settled in is the result of years of mental anguish the Indigenous people had to face, and I encourage everyone listening to do their part in enacting change. We cannot shed light on something that is constantly being silenced. Hello, and welcome to Youth Voices of the Six podcast, a podcast made by youth for youth and everyone in between, powered by Toronto Team L and Team M of Pivot Canada. If you guys don't know what Pivot Canada is, Pivot Canada is a Canada-wide youth employment research project led by Youthful Cities and SFU Centre for Dialogue jointly. Uh, the aim of this project is to provide youth with employment, help youth uh, gain experience in research and explore other creative outlets that can help them inform Canadian cities on how to recover post-COVID. Now, formalities out of the way. Hi, uh, my name is Daryl. I will be your host for today's episode, and I am joined by my two guests. If you want to introduce yourselves. Yeah, I can go first quickly. Hi, everybody. My name is Kristen. Um, I'm a new environmental science and biology graduate from Western University. I finished school uh, of June of this year, and I'm really excited to uh, get to talk to you all today about mental health. Hi everyone, my name is Viviana and I just finished my degree in chemical engineering. I'm an immigrant, I came from Colombia, and I'm also excited to talk to everyone about mental health. And once again, hi, my name is Daryl. I am a part-time student at Seneca studying business leadership. Now, as my two guests have already mentioned, we will be discussing, I would say, still touchy subject on mental health. And just to put a disclaimer out there, we are not trained professionals in this field. Um, we're just here to talk about our lived experience and our personal stories about mental health and how it has affected us. So if you do feel the need to you know, discuss your own problems with mental health, please, please, please consult a professional um, for individual advice regarding your own personal health and well-being. Uh, we will also be providing additional sources at the end via our e-resource, so you feel free to use those. And just another trigger warning, this talk will include uh, discussions of disability and mental health issues, including depression, anxiety, and we will also be discussing on how other groups are oppressed and impacted, so just putting it out there. But I guess get the ball rolling. I want to talk about why this topic of mental health is so important because well to me you know we keep expressing the importance of mental health through word of mouth education and all these events like mental health awareness week yet it still feels like per personally um it, it still feels like a underground topic if you know what i mean for you too what does mental health really mean to you you know, how, how does it affect you personally and why do you think it's so important? Um, yeah, I can jump in there quickly. Um, I think that it's actually been really great to grow up like 
of this generation where like mental health was something that could be talked about and there is more of a stigma uh, that was removed behind it. There is still times I personally find that it's uncomfortable to talk about mental health or um, like seek help, but just like hearing that, you know, people who attend therapy or people who do seek that professional help is not, um, is not estranged anymore has been really comforting. So that stigma that's like slowly being removed, I think is really, really great. Uh, my friend said it really well once she said that um, we should all have a doctor for our physical health, but also a doctor for our mental health because they're both really important parts of your being. So by like just saying it like that, having a doctor for your physical health, it's so important to have one for your mental health. Um, and I think just like people being so aware and like open about it has been really great um, to have this conversation like we are today. And I'll let Viv speak to, to what she wants to add in. Uh, yeah, uh, growing up, there was like always an emphasis of uh, physical health and how it is essential for us to be healthy and eat properly and exercise. People would focus so much on the body and not just like your, also like your brain and like emotions. And like, that's something that we experience like every single day. And that is very essential. So I'm really happy that there is more awareness about mental health because everyone experiences at some point in their life. And I'm hoping that, you know, there's a lot more work to do to bring awareness to, to the topic. And, and I'm looking forward to knowing like what else can be done to, uh, to make, you know, people more comfortable about opening up about their issues. Yeah, definitely. I definitely feel the same sentiment for me personally. Uh, it never, like me mental health has always been sort of a weird thing to, think about because throughout my whole life um I always told myself like you know oh I, I'm never gonna get into these uh depressive stoops and all that but as you grow older you know reality starts to hit you in the face and you just gotta get up and keep going at it and sort of realize that there are times that you do need help and you're not as strong as you think that whole point of you saying that like growing up you never think that you're going to be somebody like in that state or especially like I, I could just be speaking for myself but growing up in like uh, a household who my parents were like first generation immigrants to this country like you were forced to show that strength and you never spoke about any weakness especially mental weakness and like that topic even though my parents are really great about speaking about it they are not attuned to that and not just because they didn't grow up with that mindset of having to think about your mental health but definitely that whole thing about growing up and realizing oh it's not going to be me you know I'm going to be fine I think like just normalizing the idea that everybody goes through highs and lows in their mental health and that that's so normal that's like totally okay like I know when I went to university and I moved away from home and I lived in London Ontario for two years or four years sorry I just um I didn't realize it was going to be so hard mentally and emotionally and I kept saying oh this is normal no big deal I kept putting it under the rug but only when I was actually able to address it and talk about it to friends who I trusted did I feel like so much more like closure to myself so um yeah I think that's like a big thing when you grow up you definitely have to face more and you need to address that emotion and another like question I want to bring to you guys um for for me whenever I tried to talk about my talk to my parents about uh you know mental health and stuff I, I hate I hate putting I hate putting it in this way but they they make it they, they make it sound like you know it's all in your head you know you're you're like the the main thing that ticks me off is when when people say you know you're not depressed or whatever you're just being lazy like how, how do you like how do you even respond to that you you can't 
It's definitely difficult, especially like uh, immigrants, like a lot of immigrants have experienced colonization and stuff. And just, so there's a lot of like generational trauma and there's a lot of um, personalities and kind of culture that we kind of have to push through and we have to be the best that we can be because there is always this, uh, this danger that if we weren't uh, kind of obeying before it was an issue. And so you see like a lot of immigrant parents don't really teach their kids about emotions or mental health and stuff. It's like, no, you just push through. You're just, you need to work hard. You need to get a job and find a home and, and do that. It's definitely very difficult. And I think a part of it is just realizing that, you know, your your parents and us have been through so much as, as immigrants. And uh, it's definitely a really hard topic to talk about that they rather just kind of shut it off or we just shut it off because we're just like, yeah, that's not a thing. And uh, it's, it's difficult because it, it hurts, right? Um, and I guess for me, it's been, uh, I've had those conversations with my mom where I'm just like, I understand this is how you cope with it. But for me, coping with it is, is coming and being aware of the emotions that I have. And I'm just like, and I hope you can, you can have the space to listen to them. Because I guess her seeing me hurting is also hurts her in a way. Like she didn't do a good job or, or something like that, yeah. I can definitely empathize with like, uh, it almost sounds like all of our parents who, you know, had that, had to uh, deal with immigrating to a brand new country and adjusting to new cultural norms. And like, so I empathize with the fact that they don't necessarily understand how to uh, cope with mental health when like any of us would go to them for, for struggles. But I've actually been really um, happy and a bit proud in the fact, especially during COVID, I think that's when my mental health was like at its lowest. And I never realized that I had to cope with mental health until I was put in a position where I was taken away from all my comforts. So um, I almost had the opportunity to teach my parents and like that generation of what mental health is and how important it is and how it's really affecting our daily lives. And I think that everybody during this pandemic has had to cope with their mental health, whether they wanted to address it or not at whatever age that is. And like, I've had these conversations with my parents where they almost learn from me and what I've learned from my networks of like having that open channel to speak. And I think that's really awesome that like, I think more and more people are trying to have this conversation but going back to what Daryl was saying about validating that whole like laziness if you're feeling this way I want to validate that that's like I don't think that they know how to respond to how you're feeling again like Bo said they probably just don't want to see you hurt so they, they want you to be okay and they just want to say you're going to be okay but in those situations like I think I've realized the first thing to do is like validate your emotion validate your feeling and then move on from there and then figure out how you can help yourself or find help after realizing that there's something that needs to be addressed that's been helpful for me. Uh, a lot of it stems from being born in a different generation. And especially with immigrant parents, common theme around them is telling their children like how they came here with nothing. So they can give a better, uh, better life than what they had. I think an important thing to note when, when I was going through my depressive stoop and I went to go talk to a counselor and one, one thing that stuck with me, uh, she said, you're, you're not living your parents' life, you're living your own life. And that's sort of, that, that was sort of my personal problem and why I was dealing with so much confusion. Uh, I guess to, <laughs> I guess to seemingly uh, dive into our next topic, I want to discuss on, you know, some you know, personal experiences uh, and going to a bit of storytelling. So I guess a question would be, when was the first time you sort of 
experience mental health or when, ha when, when was the first time it, uh, you realized it became an issue? Um, yeah, I don't mind going first. Um, I'm a very much of an open book if anyone met me. So I feel very okay just like sharing what I've, um, I guess, like been through personally, but I alluded to it a bit before, but like in university, having to be like alone and meet new people and being in a new environment really, I think, was taxing for mental health. Not only was it in a new environment, like so many of us uh, get to go through, but also just like learning how to learn and work in a different uh, way with like university being super taxing. Um, I guess the one thing that I learned about myself was like, uh, like resilience and, and figuring out how to cope with those emotions. But I think during university, I just kept passing it over as being oh, this is whatever, everyone goes through this. I was almost like putting my emotion to the side and just saying, this is normal, whatever. But only when I really realized that, okay, you know what, maybe I could uh, seek help or even just speak about it was during COVID. Um, so like I moved home from university in mid-March after things started to shut down. Um, and I live in Toronto and I came back to live with my parents. And that like, that stark difference of living, having that freedom and living with friends to like living with your parents you haven't lived with for four years and you're like, you know, isolated, you're not told to see anybody. That really was a, a big thing for me. I'm a really social person. So being told you can't see anybody was like the biggest deal. And yeah, I just felt very like sad and low. And I felt very much like I, there was no way that I could help myself. I went through times and I just like pitied myself and I was like, nothing can happen. Um, and like, nothing's going to get better, but like over time, just like speaking to friends and a lot of friends who like tried to help me through it. So it gave me like, I did a meditation challenge with one of my friends. I did a fitness challenge with one of my friends. Like I have really great people in my life who tried to like help me out of that really sad state. And, um, yeah, for me personally, it was just reaching out, talking about my emotions and then getting help from my friends and family that really helped. But, um, one thing was really like saying, okay, there is a problem that I need to address because before I would just like sweep it under the carpet and I was like, everything is fine. But addressing it was like step number one. And then the help is really unique to everybody, I would say. My story, I guess, would be a bit uh, different in the sense that I feel like coming from like an immigrant household or just like Latin America in general, no one really teaches you what mental health is supposed to look like when you're having a challenge. Like it's like, um, like they, they think like depression is sadness, anxiety is stress. So it's, it's not a big deal, but, um, but it's a bit more, um, I guess, complex than that. And, and you don't know what signs are there to kind of show you that this is what you're going through. So for me, I, I grew up in a kind of war zone area. And so there was things that I saw that as a child that I was not supposed to see or that I was not supposed to live with. And we moved a lot. Um, and so I guess there was trauma there that I didn't know about. I just, I thought it was just normal. I was like, yeah, no, I'm just having like a bit of sadness or I just feel really a little bit stressed out. That's okay. Um, and I... I didn't really start taking an understanding of my mental health again until I went to university. I ended up uh, going away from home and I was kind of dealing with all my responsibilities, doing everything. And uh, I guess it, it must have taken a toll on me where I then seeked out help. And then it was finally when I met uh, a counselor who was Colombian as well that I was like, oh, um, yeah, I think I, I, there might be a mental health issue, like it runs in my family. Um, uh, these things have happened in my family where my uh, grandfather's like committed suicide. So I think it's just like a genetic thing. And she was like, no, she was like, there's, there's, there's trauma in the places that you live and they pass on. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, 
but th that's not a big deal. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so it wasn't until I guess I talked to her that I realized that there's actually a mental health challenge that was not related to a chemical imbalance that a lot of people think that that's what it is and that it was more related to traumatic experiences. So like PTSD. Yeah, so PTSD would be like the most extreme version, like or like actually like very triggered. And then there's like there's like I guess mild triggers for this is from my understanding where it's like it might invoke a bit of anxiety, but you don't have memories of it or 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 you don't really you can't really recall that much, but your body is just constantly used to being in a fight or flight mode. Uh, or it just enters that that state without you knowing why like you don't understand why and it's it's that part that the memory is not there yeah one thing that I can just like take from what Viv said is that like I think spotting the signs of like you having a mental health crisis is like so important and I feel like it's it's an, it, to no one's fault that it's difficult to talk about. Like you can make a million infographics about how to spot mental health, but in every individual, depending on their lived experiences and their stories, that will look really different for everybody. I also had a really tough time during quarantine spotting, you know, when my mental health was low, because I always just thought it was something else or I've never really experienced anything like this before. So that's a tough thing to, to address, but definitely knowing how to spot when you're not yourself and that could be a mental health um, like uh, low point, then that's when you need to start looking for help or like figuring out how you can help yourself in a way. Yeah, um, going, going back to what you said. Um, yeah, for, for me, it was like, it, it was like a really, the, the first time I experienced any form of, um, you know, mental anguish <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, you know, again, uh, it was it was during university. I uh, I lived in Markham my whole life, and then to to suddenly have to move to like an entire entirely different city, and you know living on my own for the first time. Uh, I think I think having that much freedom uh, sort of messed with my brain a little bit because I was so used to. <laughs> it is going to sound. It's going to sound really like kitty but I, I was so used to having like a curfew and stuff because you know you live with your parents and stuff but uh you go to university and it's like no parents yo sort of thing <laughs> but um yeah that tied with you know i i don't know i don't know what i want to do with my life uh like i i don't know if i don't know if what i'm studying is necessarily what i what i enjoy doing or what i think i enjoy doing so uh, I was sort of like, you know, what, what do I do now? And I had, for, for some reason, I had, I had a really hard time making friends too. Like I was a pretty social person in high school. And then once university hit, I just became a total introvert. And that added to my psyche a lot or that messed with my psyche. <sighs> what was I going to say? There's, there's so much stuff going through my mind, just trying to recall all the memories. That, that that's what basically messed me up and I, I didn't I didn't realize it because I kept telling myself that it wasn't real it wasn't happening when it was and it was it was scary and uh I didn't know who to talk to about it and you know that, that, that that's the worst thing you can do is keeping all your thoughts and all your emotions all like bottled up inside and, and you know you're, you you can't go on trying to 
trying to go through the day with all that uh, baggage. There's two things that like I kind of took from what you had just said. One being like those little spurts, which is probably what I also experienced the most. And I never knew that that was called like that was your mental health, but even just like studying or being in like an uncomfortable social situation to being in like a really scary academic situation with like deadlines, like all those feelings of stress and anxiety are displays of, um, I don't know, like your mental health being maybe not at its best, but I feel like when people talk about mental health, I personally just immediately went to like, oh, when are like really big crises that I went through? But like, honestly, like we all go through mental health like every day or every few days, like when you're in a stressful situation, like I think that even just like talking about those little things and, and just like vocalizing them makes it just that much more normal to talk about the topic when it's that much more grand. Um, and, and yeah, I forgot the other thing that I was gonna say that Daryl mentioned. Yeah, uh, I guess, um some other sort of bullet points I have here. Um, and I guess we can uh, talk about them uh, as we go, uh, as we see fit. Not being able to help yourself and a need for connection. Uh, again, emphasizing the fact that, you know, we're, we're social beings and we crave connection. And I guess as the saying goes, we don't know what we, ha we, we don't know what we have until it's gone. I, I think, I think like, now more than ever because of this whole pandemic uh connection is just so so important um you know having having friends you can talk to having family members resources online you know all all those things can sort of keep you you know sane and keep you intact and all that yeah definitely um this is something that came up because there is this um idea in today's world that you're supposed to make it on your own like you're supposed to like do like everything by yourself and come out on top and I was uh I was reading this article about this lady and she said I don't need uh she said oh I don't need like an Epsom bath she's like I need someone to come and bring me food when I'm depressed and this stood out to me because there is so much in social media about mental health telling people like remember to go out for that walk like remember to do your morning pages remember to have like that food ready like in case next week you fall into depression and and uh like take those showers and be able to get up and i'm like and that's all amazing right like that's all ways that you can learn to cope with your with your mental health when when things are definitely going to get stressful and and kind of plan ahead a little bit but there, there comes a time where you're, you don't have any energy at all. And getting out of bed is something that feels very difficult, where it almost feels dangerous to do so, right? And that's a time where we need to remember that we're social human beings, uh, evolutionarily speaking, and that we were always there for each other to support and be able to come out as a community. And this is seen in a, in a lot of cultures, um, but I feel like it's been lost a lot in like, uh, like Western cultures. And um, it just means that, look, like I'm depressed, I need your help. Like I, I'm having a hard time getting out of bed. If I just need someone to come like a friend and drag me out of the house to go for a walk, even when I don't want to, or have to bring me a soup because I can't even get out of bed and cook for myself or, or just remember like take a shower. Like these are things that are, are so necessary. Um, when people are having uh, really, really uh, big, uh, like depressive moments or, or any other form of, uh, of mental health challenge. 
that needs to be accepted and that needs to be welcome and that it doesn't make you less of a person. And I feel like that's where we're, a lot of us are struggling, where you asking for help means you're not as a, a smart or as well or as a, as a leader as you can be. And it's wrong to do so. And once you do, then you're you're seen as, as weak or something else. But whether people have these mental health problems or not, that is something that should be normalized. Kind of like when, when there's a funeral and a lot of people are like, here's some food, here's some company, and people are going through grief and loss and they receive all of that. The same thing should be adapted for mental health challenges as well. Yeah, speaking to what you just said, and like now reflecting on all these different resources that I've seen, to be fair, like a lot of these resources online or like on social media, they are very individualistic in the sense that they're like, take a bath, um, cook yourself a nice meal or whatever, like self-care, stuff like that. I understand that in the time of COVID-19, like I understand we can't be together, but it's still important to like really promote how you can stay connected. Like I even went to like a doctor during COVID just for like any, like for a physical, but at the same time, she was like, make sure that you stay connected. And yes, that may not mean in person, but she's like, it's super important for your mental health to stay connected. And I've really never had a doctor ever really like mentioned my mental health and she asked me so deeply so many different questions about mental health could they they understood as like health practitioners that that is something that so many people are suffering with but that main thing she started with was connection so that just came to mind right now after Viv was like you need to stay connected and be able to ask for help um one thing that I remembered that I wanted to bring up before and it was what from what you were saying before Daryl of how like you were stuck in a spot where you didn't know you know what to do with all these emotions that were like held inside of you and you had no one to express them with it's like very um great of you that you're able to like sit here today and talk to the both of us and the rest of us listening about that because I I'm not trying to go into like um the male perspective of this but I have a lot of male friends who like will not open up about this and you can tell that something is wrong and likely a mental health um, issue that they don't want to address but they have no one to open up with just because like amongst their male company it's just not a norm to talk about and like sure I'm so happy that some of those people have that one person to go to but a lot of time they don't and I just really do feel for them and I almost just want to like say to listeners that like if you feel that like um you know, that, that sense of like, you're no, not as strong as you would be as a man because you can't open up about your emotions. That's just not true. And like, it's so normal and so healthy to open up about that. I just know I have a lot of friends who struggle with that. So I wanted to, to say that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, honestly, like, I, I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I can honestly go on my like mini, uh, mini podcast just talking about, talking about all this, just drop the, macho act guys <laughs> yes daryl said it so elegantly drop the macho act we all need help we all need someone to talk to like it's not about that yeah exactly definitely like seeing a man be vulnerable like to me like that makes him more of a man it makes you feel more connected and that they have a better chance to lead because they're connected with their emotions and, and who they are as a person that, that it actually makes it great i totally agree yeah, that human connection is only like someone, some speaker said this and I was like, whoa, that's so true. Humans, like for you to bond with somebody and feel connected and grounded, you need to first be vulnerable. And I know that's so scary for people, but the minute you're vulnerable, you're human and someone can relate to that vulnerability and then they feel comfortable opening up. So like being vulnerable is a human thing and it's something that's like so needed from everybody. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, just, to, just to touch on that, um, I think another reason why um, not not just not just men specifically, but just 
anyone is sort of scared to talk about or even admit that they're going through something is they don't want to feel like they're they're a victim and you know blaming themselves for putting themselves in, in, in the situation when you know sometimes it's out of their control and you might think there's like a stigma about talking about it like it's like not really taboo but it's you know again it's a touchy subject we don't want to we don't want to we want to put it under the covers yeah I think I, I just a little thing I want to add is how I was saying before and I'll just say it again like being vulnerable is like even though it's so important it's so difficult for so many and me being a very social person I never thought it'd be a problem for me to talk about my mental health or even like address it and personally acknowledge it because I was like I'm so social like I don't mind talking about anything but when it came to that topic I was like oh like Daryl said it's taboo or it's just irrelevant or maybe it's not me like I would always disregard it and say no, this is something else I don't have to deal with in mental health because it's not a thing. So I think just like recognizing what it is and calling it for what it is, is like so important. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I feel like uh, like victimization is, is, is like a card that people play. Like if you bring out that you've been feeling something or, or, or you've been going through something, there's, there's people that are like, oh, you're just being soft or, or like, oh, here we go again. You have to be careful with these people because they're sensitive about everything. And it's like, that's, that's not true. Um, it's a very like black and white mentality. And it's like, so, so things are so, so complex, right? Like there are times that, that you require help, that you, that you need to speak out and you need to tell someone like, look, I'm really, really hurting. And, and it can, and then can, it can lead into much more like worse things. And, and of course, like, like that's, it's, it's really sad when, when people are so uncomfortable at, at being able to talk so there's a discomfort about talking uh, about taboo topics. And since like mental health is one of them, it's like a lot of people don't know what to do when people approach them and they say, I'm going through something. And so it's like a defense mechanism to be like, oh, well, you know, it's nothing like get over it or, or something like that. But it's also like extremely rude. Right. And, um, and I feel like it's something that needs to be made more clear, especially with children, because you know, as children, we're very vulnerable. We're very expressive. Like we don't mind crying in front of people when we're hurt. Like, and, and then eventually we learn that our society might not accept some of those things. And we start closing up. And, uh, and, and definitely like there are times that, yeah, like you do need help and you need to be able to, you know, speak to someone and, and not be turned down like that or, or calling you a victim because you're trying to play some sort of role that, you know, puts all the attention on you, which is not what you're trying. You're, ac you're actually hurting. I, I actually want to go into sort of um, what we're discussing, uh, you know, mental health and its relationship with, you know, BIPOC folk, because, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter rally, you know, it, you, you definitely see uh, the effects of, you know, mental health in play uh, in, in things such as this, where, uh, because because of all the oppression over the years, you know, it's it's taking a toll, and it, it's it's really sad, you know, to say that people are scared to you know express themselves because you know again they're they're being oppressed and they're basically being handed no. I can't speak to specifically the Black community, of course, because I'm a Chinese Canadian. Um, but just like thinking, just generally with the BIPOC communities, one thing that 
this is like so um, such a random connection that my mind made, but um, like when I took genetics in university and we were talking about those like DNA um, tests and like 23andMe and Ancestry.com, the majority of people who sign up for tests like that are Caucasian. And the reason is because people who are like BIPOC don't don't need anything else. So for example, their uh, DNA read out to them to show any more weakness or any sort of inequality within them. Like there's already so much that is brought out in the BIPOC community because of our racial differences and people can target that. There's almost like one more thing they don't need on their plate to be a target. And, and that can be mental health. Like that's how I'm bringing it back in the sense that I feel like BIPOC folk have a tough time talking about it because there's already so much other forms of oppression in their lives that they don't need something else to add to that. To, to be another target of your week or something is wrong with you or, or, or be a topic of conversation even. So when you, when you spoke of that, that's what came to mind of how there's just, they don't want one more thing to have to address that shows their weakness. That's just personally what I think, yeah. For me, what comes to mind is just like uh, our cultures. Like our cultures are very uh, different in the way that we, we function uh from day to day like if you go to like Latin americans or asian countries and uh or african countries and um to to me it's like we all live like bipoc folks live in uh in societies that are that are kind of uh systemically against them and in a way that that we have to adapt and we have to kind of become something else to be able to fit in this society that it, it hurts our identity and, and it, it, in a way it damages. And, and that's kind of an issue that comes up with mental health is that we kind of feel like maybe we don't fit in or we feel segregated or ostracized in, in a way by, by certain things that we experience from day to day, especially like black and indigenous folk, they're, they're experiencing like that at like a, a heavier rate of, of being oppressed and being discriminated against. And, um, and they get to see it like every day through like work or, or just hobbies or, or even just TV in general, right? And, um, and it's just, it's really sad because that it takes a huge toll on your mental health. And, uh, and what's worse is that, you know, if you want these changes to occur, you yourself going through that mental health challenges, you have to be the one that, um, you know, goes out and demands those rights. And so you're already you're already going through a really heavy experience that is affecting you mentally, and then you still have to put in that energy and effort to get that change. And you're doing that because you don't want your future generations to suffer the same way that you did, or go through the same things that have been impacting your own mental health. It's so much because it's like these are these are things that we know is like inherently wrong. Silencing people um about expressing themselves and their discomfort and yeah it's confusing and such a complex topic that sometimes it's hard to like take everything that people say and just like put it into words but it almost just comes down to like the way in which society has often looked at the BIPOC community like that that notion of understanding that people are judging you for who you are inherently to allow them to judge you for one other thing, like your weakness, quote unquote, in your mental health is just something that doesn't want to be addressed. And I think that's like, for me, like I recognize that that's a very difficult thing for people like in my own Asian communities and stuff like that. Like they don't want to address something extra on top of everything else. So yeah, it's just a really complex topic, like Daryl said, and it's so many layers. Yeah, and um, there's the other thing that 
because we don't talk enough about mental health within BIPOC communities because like you said, Kristen, like it's like it's like you don't want to show that weakness. And even if if you do decide to to go and, and seek out help, there there is not a lot of help involved. Like a lot of the a lot of the wellness and, and mental health um, industry is is filled with the same systems that oppress us. And it's filled with a lot of like appropriation of different like wellnesses that, that come from different countries, <laughs> like, uh, like, you know, like yoga and meditation and, uh, and your child's healing, like all of these things come from different places, but it's always white folk that are like, uh, that are teaching these things. And so when you go and try to see a therapist and you see a white therapist, they're not going to understand um, your emotions are not going to understand what you've experienced as a, as a racialized minority because your experiences are different and they're going to try to understand it from a component that is not about uh, systemic issues, but more about a mindset and about, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. How can I think uh, differently about this to help myself? And, and, and that's fine. It might help you short term, but it's not dealing with the root cause of like the systemic issues and the racism that actually cause those mental health challenges to begin with. And so it's it's difficult because as BIPOC, the only people that you can actually go to that may be able to understand you are therapists who themselves are BIPOC. And there is not a lot. I, I never realized the importance of that, but Viv, like when you said that you saw a counselor that was Colombian, I was shocked and so happy for you, but shocked because I agree, like every time that I've, I picture what a counselor looks like or ones that I've encountered in my past, they've all been white. And honestly, half the time, I don't necessarily want to address every single thing that may be on my mind. And that's just because I understand that, and no fault to theirs, but they won't understand what I'm talking about, or they won't really be able to help me in the way that someone who is like female and Asian could help. So like, I agree that like, I never recognize how important it is to have people of color in those positions to help, but just like reflecting on what Viv just said, that is so true. Because if I put myself in those shoes, I would not feel comfortable opening about opening up about everything to somebody who is not of my background just because they wouldn't understand like no fault to them but they just wouldn't necessarily be able to help me fully uh just something that came came to mind when you mentioned that um when i when i went to speak to my counselor um she was actually i believe she was south asian as well so she sort she sort of understood um where i was coming from when i was uh speaking about what i was going through um she, you know, she, she didn't understand uh, the struggles of dealing with immigrant parents and that, that sort of helped me collect, uh, connect, with, uh, connect with her uh, a lot more on a uh, personal basis and I was able to open up to her uh, a lot more. So uh, I definitely feel that way uh, when it comes to speaking to someone who can at least relate to you in that manner. But um, I guess we'll go on to our last topic. Uh, how did slash are uh, you overcoming it, or how did you overcome? I, I would say I, I would say like the first hurdle of your your mental health issues, or if or if you're still overcoming it, how how are you going about doing that? Um, yeah, I'm just taking a second to reflect, but um, I feel like I'm a broken record, and I've said a lot of the same things over and over. But um, just like I guess 
the hardest thing for me was recognizing it. And half the time, I don't want to say call out, but my friends and family who knew me the best were like, something is wrong. Even when I couldn't see it in myself, like someone could point it out to me. And then I used that to reflect. And I had a lot of friends say like, you should journal how you're feeling. You should write down your feelings. And like, I was a bit of a cynic and I was like, what's the point of writing it down? Like I got it in my head. I know what's wrong. And they're like, I don't think so. So I wrote it down in like a journal that I, and I never write having it on paper was so cathartic and like I remember seeing my hand move and my brain was almost disconnected but it was writing down every word that I was feeling and I was like whoa I didn't even recognize how like cathartic it was and then now having it to like reflect back on especially when I think my mental health is fine and then I go through another episode of realizing those same emotions just like being able to read it again on paper has been like super helpful to like acknowledge how I'm feeling and then work from there so like that has been my my coping mechanism and then just finding ways to I guess like still have some normalcy in my life during COVID like uh finding ways to connect with my friends and my social groups but like just doing things that are fun um I don't even know what is fun meditating is what's fun for me right now I have nothing nothing else to really do but uh, overall just staying connected to my friend groups has been it but yeah journaling I suggest to everybody I know it sounds silly but I got a lot of people on it during COVID because it really helped me and it's helped them so maybe it'd help you yeah um oh for me it's like uh I don't think it's something that it will ever be over and so this is the first it's, there's like a couple hurdles there's the first one where you have to accept that you have a mental health challenge and you have to be okay with it and, and then you're okay with it and then you have to then be okay with expressing it to other people um and and those two are probably one of the hardest ones and then the the hardest one to accept is like knowing that you have to live with this like there's not there's n there's no fix there is no solution it's just something that's gonna casually happen throughout your life sometimes it'll be better sometimes it'll be worse but just like remembering that you know you've gotten through it before and it's been fine and and you were able to smile again and have uh, have these like kind of uh, wonderful moments and just know that that's gonna happen again um and that's definitely one of the hardest ones to to accept like living with it um but but yeah it's it's for me it's been trial and error sometimes something works uh, meditation may work for for a couple months and it doesn't work anymore um exercise might help and then it, and then it's like no their mind's still coming um so it's definitely trial and error um realizing like what works best for de depending on the season as well uh maybe sometimes connecting uh, that's probably the biggest one, connecting to someone, being able to talk to someone openly, um, and, uh, and nature. I think the biggest one for me has been nature, like just being able to um, be by the water or, or uh, go for a walk or just uh, um, go to like a forest. Is, uh, it's some of like the most calming experiences that that kind of quiet your mind for a little bit and take you away from from those feelings that you that you get from mental health so yeah uh for me it's it, it's been a mix of uh bo both of yours uh like i i started um i i started writing down just anything uh recently and well not recently um just over the years i just started jotting down whatever whatever was on my mind um the, the first reason was to just clear it so I so I wouldn't have to think about it. I can just focus on something uh, something I needed to do at that moment. But 
Um, yeah, another reason why was because uh, there, there's just so much angst, I guess. And when, when, when I say angst, I, I don't want to mean it in like a, in like a, oh, teenage angst kind of thing. Like, like I really do mean like angst, a lot of built, a lot of like uh, pent up like aggression and all that. And, you know, all, like all that stuff, I, I just needed an outlet to get it out. I guess in the future, um, once I am in, uh, once I do think I am in a better place, I can sort of, sort of look back as I'm deleting them and go like, oh yeah, I, I was going through that phase. <laughs> um, and sort of learning from that as well. Uh, I write a lot to myself. I also, I've also been trying to find things to keep me busy, things to keep me productive and, you know, try, trying not to overwork myself and, you know, pace what I'm doing and all that. Um, and just finding a routine again, I think is, is uh, one of the biggest ones for me. Yeah, just being, just being with yourself and not really, not really doing anything really messes with you. That's a really good point to bring up. Um, it's something that I'm so embarrassed to say, but I'm, I'm going to say, I can say it to everybody, but once I used to be a Justin Bieber fan and I love his purpose album and in his one song he's like you got to give yourself grace or like if you can't give it to yourself like how do you expect others to like that's me paraphrasing but that's like so true and definitely during COVID and during like highs and lows in my mental health and to everybody listening like it's so important to give yourself that grace and that like reassurance that it's okay to feel the way you are and that like things will look up from here and I like reminding yourself of that and how you're just being human is like so good and like Viv brought up like it's so important to also recognize that this is like an ongoing thing like your mental health can't just be like cured and you're fine forever and like I'm still learning personally like when I got through that really low spell during COVID it happened again like two months later and I hit an another low and I was like how is this possible like it already happened but that made me recognize look it's ongoing and it'll never end and you'll have good and bad days so Viv bringing that up was like such a, a good point and something you should highlight that like it's something you always work towards so yeah and I mean um for me when when you're talking about like going into those feelings and having to kind of sit down with like whatever the anxiety and depression are, are bringing up like it, it's definitely a scary thing to do um part of you yes like you you want to beat yourself up and you, and you need to have that grace and the other part is is the vulnerability again the vulnerability Fun, oh my god vulnerability to sit down and just be able to feel whatever you're feeling because it, it might be it might be deep it might be strong but but just knowing like that's the number one thing that I think has been the best it's like you just have to write it out like they're you, you, avoiding it has has made things usually worse for me and then just being like okay fine like, I'm gonna sit down I I'm, I'm gonna tune into that feeling probably gonna cry probably gonna have some sort of issues here and there it's gonna be it's a bit scary but but it'll, it'll be fine and if I need help like I, I have someone I can call and or if there's someone with you at that moment like that's even better um and then just knowing like after that you just feel a bit lighter you just feel um kind of like if you just yeah if you just had a, a good cry and then after it's like okay now now I'm fine now I'm good and and I feel like that's what it's going to be like a lot. And, uh, and yeah, mental health is ongoing, just like how your physical health is so important, like throughout all your years to like eat healthy and exercise, like the same amount of effort needs to be put into everyone's mental health. 
Uh, there was something, there was something I wanted to say, but I forgot. <laughs> Typical. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't, uh, now it's gonna, uh, now it's gonna bother me for the rest of the day. But, uh, I think with that, uh, we will be wrapping up this episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed our little conversation. Uh, I hope it was meaningful. I thought it, I, I hope it was thought provoking. Uh, I definitely felt, uh, I definitely felt it was, I really appreciate uh, the both of you agreeing to come on and uh, speaking on uh, this topic and, you know, speaking on your experiences. Any final takeaways? Um, not really, just echoing of what Daryl said, but this was actually super enlightening for myself. And I think that just like to, to realize that like you're always learning and you can always learn more about how to deal with your mental health and address it. And um, I hope that it helped just hearing from, you know, some young people from the Toronto area that, you know, everybody is still having their own struggles, but you're not alone and, and everybody needs to just deal with it at their own pace, so. Yeah, and um, you know, like, I just want to point out like this doesn't define you like having like a day that's like really bad or, or being able to open up about it like it doesn't mean that you're less of a person that you're not smart that you're not capable of being a leader like all of this is is normal and and it's okay to speak about and i and i hope that through uh this conversation people can can somehow find some peace but also some some hope and encouragement to to reach out to others and uh to definitely like if, if you need help like uh, always always reach out to to those that you love um and also like if you have like the insurance or or the benefits to go and see a therapist do so um do not give up just because the first therapist didn't work out sometimes you it's like a relationship thing like you it might not work out you try another one and eventually you'll you'll find one that that works really well and i just hope that yeah that it doesn't you don't have to get to a very extremely dark place to go and seek out help like your your goal is to do so before it gets there you're having maybe a little, a little bit of stress or or things are are more um, you know anxious than usual like that's okay that's that's probably the best time to reach out once again thank you to Kristen and viviana for coming out there's an e-resource created by our other members to provide you with resources on topics such as racism, climate change, immigration, and of course, mental health. So please do check that out. With that said, this has been Youth Voices of the Six, signing out.